This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, it's the quarterly security update. Join us as we discuss the latest in threats, exposure, and how to combat them with the NetApp portfolio. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here and we're about to kick off the latest quarterly security update for NetApp. Um, To do that, I brought all the experts in, uh, all of them. We we have more than three, but there's only three of them here today. Uh, So starting off with Andre Middleton, if you could tell everybody what you do here at NetApp and how to reach you. You love that how to reach me thing. I do. Uh, what I do here at NetApp, <laughs> security product manager, right? So essentially security across the portfolio, making sure we're driving security solutions uh, throughout, you know, through features, functions, all that good stuff across the portfolio. So whether it's HCI, on app, all that good stuff. Also, you know, running the partnerships, making sure that we're vetting, having the right security partnerships because we can't do it all ourselves, right? Um, and how you reach me is pretty simple. Andre at NetApp.com. So Andre doesn't have social media, and I'll tell you why. It's because he's running a covert operation out of Shoe Fly, North Carolina. Isn't that right? Or can That's you right. confirm or deny? Neither. <laughs> Sorry, I blew your cover. <laughs> be, be prepared for the black helicopters to come in, Andre. Uh, also on the phone with us today, uh, Dan Tullidge. Hi, Dan. If you could tell everybody what you do and how to reach you. Hey, I'm Dan Tullidge. I'm a, a technical marketing engineer and I've been doing, my gig's been on tap security, and it still remains on tap security, but I'm expanding to other parts of the portfolio. And you can reach me at Andre at netup.com. You can reach him at Andre? <laughs> no. no, what? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Everything's going through Andre at this point, so. All right. He's got the coolest user ID. He does. It's like his no, name. I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Dan underscore Tullidge. At um, Twitter. <laughs> All right, and also on the phone today, um, Matt Trudwin. Hi, Matt. Hey, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I am not new to NetApp, but I am new to the security team, uh, and I've been on the team for a little while now. And my focus is uh, as a tech marketing engineer, more portfolio focused. Um, you know, I back up uh, Dan on the on tap stuff. He backs me up on the portfolio stuff. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're diving in on uh, security. I'm liking my new role here. And uh, I actually have a, uh, a Twitter now, so you can reach me at uh, Matt. Nobody had that. So Matt. Nobody had that. Imagine that. Yeah. We didn't have any Mats here. Nope. <laughs> All right. So um, if you're not aware, the purpose of this quarterly security update is to basically cover everything that's new or that's interesting in security every quarter because security is ever-changing and we don't want to have a static episode every year. So we like to keep it up to date. Uh, So we'll talk about what's new uh, in security for ONTAP in the newest release, 9.5. We'll also talk about some other interesting aspects of the uh, security functionality within NetApp products, as well as some new things that are going on outside of the uh, company. So, uh, Andre, start off. what's, What's top of mind? Uh, probably insider threats, right? I mean, we're live, you know, kind of right off of insight, off the cusp of insight. I was at Vegas. Uh, Dan was at Barcelona. Um, and for those who attended, you saw a new session, right, talking about 
um, understanding the and addressing threats that are new new to us in 2018. And one of the ones that tops the list is obviously the insider threat. I think it's one of the things that we talked about for a number of years. Um, and as it's continued to kind of slowly grow, uh, the impact is what's grown exponentially. I, I just read an article this morning where we were talking about some of the, um, you know, these we talk about mean time to recovery, right? And all of a sudden people getting uh, infested and infiltrated and all that good stuff. And the, the challenge that we've had is, for years, CIOs were nervous that, you know, they're like, every day I wake up and we haven't had a breach or some issue, I'm good. Now it's different. The conversation is more like, even though nobody said we had a breach or an issue, you know, I'm looking at articles like this morning where it says the average uh, time for somebody to actually discover that somebody's been in their environment is 85 days. And that's what CIOs are now paranoid about. It's like, hey, what do you mean 85 days before we even realize that somebody's been here? You know, so obviously that that the insider threat, not knowing what people have access to, right? Who has access to what files from where, all that good stuff, being able to answer those questions. So obviously top of mind. So, you know, you say the word insider threat is a term that most of us are familiar with. But for those of us who are not familiar with it, can you kind of go into a little more detail about what insider threat is? Yeah, it's basically uh, any threat that um, exists or occurs or kind of surfaced or manifests from the inside of your environment. And so the... The clarification that we should add is most people think that this means, you know, somebody inside is intentionally doing something nefarious, but it also can be the result of an error in judgment or configuration um, or, you know, obviously somebody infiltrating your network and doing something from the inside out. And, and really what it comes down to, if you say, well, where's the rubber meet the road? It's the access. And so that's the reality of whether I'm talking about, you know, 85 days before somebody realizes what's going on or somebody fat fingers you know, uh, a configuration um, where something should be on a secure path and it's not, right? Um, all of those manifest based on access control and the ability to access data that inherently we take for granted, right? We assume that most people on the inside are, are trusted, they're vetted, they've been background checked if they're in IT, et cetera. And the reality is it doesn't matter who the person is. We're talking about access control based on the accounts, right, the resources. Yeah, and I like to pick on Debbie from accounting. I don't really know who Debbie from accounting is. She's somebody I made up. But Debbie from accounting likes to play games on the Internet or likes to watch the Dancing Hamsters. Those are places where you can have an insider threat. Absolutely, 100%. And the the reality is, you know, people like Debbie, um, and I'll put my mom out there, right? I'm not going to use her name (laughs) because obviously. Oh, my God, her name isn't Debbie, is it? No, if you got, you know, she's kind of got the bat phone, right? She's not going to use Andre at NetApp. She's going to dial direct. So, but, but she's one of those people who will absolutely send me, you know, hey, Andre, I saw this new macaroni and cheese recipe, you know, through Pinterest. And it's like, you do realize that you shouldn't have this many links in a macaroni and cheese recipe, right? You do realize that every time you click it and it pops up, that's not a good thing, right? And these are the things that they take for granted, right? They're just surface, you know, surfing and, and doing what they naturally do. And then all of a sudden it says, hey, do you know anybody else who wants to be, in, who, you know, who may be interested in this macaroni and cheese recipe? And, of course, she's like, yeah, Andre and 50 million other people. And before you know it, here's more fishing coming along. It's like, no, Mom, stop. No macaroni and cheese recipe. <laughs> so what I hear you telling me is that Nigerian prince that's going to give me millions of dollars doesn't exist? <laughs> well, not unless he's giving it to you through, you know, cheddar cheese and macaroni and cheese recipe. That's, good. That's too bad because I sent it in my bank account. I thought I was supposed to get paid, but I guess not. Right. So, I mean, inside the threats can be a variety of things. So how do we combat that at NetApp? What's sort of, what's sort of the high-level overview of how we would combat that? Yeah, so there's a couple things that we actually have in our arsenal. One of them that's built in is, you know, the use of F policy, right? So, uh, you know, obviously before we do all of this, the biggest thing is we're looking people say, well, well, how do I start, Andre? What do I look at? And it's, here's the key questions that I always ask people. Look at any file in your environment. Can you answer 
who has access to it, what access do they have, from where, and more importantly, why, right? If you can't answer those questions, which let's face it, 99, probably 100% of customers can't, right? How do we address that? So one, put those on the table. Two, you need to assess the risk that's associated with not knowing, right? And as most people say, well, you know, it's good because if I don't know, then I don't, I don't know what I don't know. The problem is uh, you need to know <laughs> some of these answers so that you can figure out what it is exactly that you don't know so that you can put some um, parameters in place. So the use of best policy allows us to be able to, to, be able to look at some of these things, um, literally look at all the, all the access that's happening, right? Um, hey, you did a read on this, you did a write, you did an execute, whatever you did, those are all logs, right? F policy inherently is doing this. And that's the power of, you know, you know, the ONTAP and the NetApp portfolio is that it's doing these, these things inherently. It's not, hey, go set up another server to do these things and collect this stuff. We are inherently doing that. And so when we say, okay, cool, we can do that natively, but how do we get kind of exponential with this and more surgical with this, being able to say, hey, well, we know that there's a lot of known bad things out there. We know known bad websites, bad actors, bad malware, all this other stuff. How do we couple and combine all this? Bad behaviors, look at user behavior analytics, leverage AI, all these things that we keep hearing about today. That's when we start pulling in partners. So one of the uh, big ones we pulled in recently is Defendex. Uh, for most people, they're probably more familiar with NTP software, so they've been a partner with us for over 15 years, right? But now that we're actually leveraging them, um, it, obviously they're now known as Defendex, but we're leveraging, you know, it, it's I always tell people when it comes to security, it's all about the lens, right? There's certain things that they've been doing for years that they really manifest in the security side. In other words, they've been doing things like quotas, auditing. Well, all of that's part of security functions and privacy, right? So now we're taking it to the next level. We're piping all that F policy stuff over to them, and they're basically saying, hey, we can take all this and we can make sense of this. We can tell you who has access. Hey, Andre has access to this file. Does he need it? He also has access to these 700 other files. Does he need it? And this is the access that he has. And who else has access to these files, right? Uh, should we be making them groups? And it can show you literally, you know, hey, if you decide to create a group, what would this look like before you push it out or do some changes? So those are the things that we need to get, you know, we need to really gather control over. And that's what we're talking about when we say access control. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you mentioned how they try to, you know, people think about it and they don't, you know, they won't, don't want to know what the threats are. And, and, you know, they can kind of plead ignorance later on. But that's no longer the case anymore in some places. Like GDPR, yeah. if you have a breach yeah. and you don't let us know, you're 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 not you're yeah. screwed, you know. And that's it, right? GDPR, privacy, that whole side of the you know the yin and the yang. If you guys saw some of the sessions at uh, at Insight, um, we really look at security and privacy as the yin and the yang, right? Security is you know it's putting those controls and those solutions in place to address these compliance and regulatory requirements. Because the reality is, to your point, Justin, you can no longer just claim ignorance and say, "Oh, I didn't know." Right. The, the number one thing a CIO is concerned about today, other than am I protected enough from a breach, is how do I respond? Because the reality is you no longer can go up there and shrug your shoulders. Right. It's when you respond and you can't respond with we just didn't know. Give us time to figure it out. Right. It, do you have the controls in place? Because otherwise you're negligent. Right. And so how do we help them? How do we help customers have answers to those questions? And that's when we're using leveraging solutions like this that also give you reporting and all that other good stuff that you know comes with it. So you can answer those questions. Yeah. And GDPR right. aside, I mean, we don't have GDPR here in the States, but the optics themselves of not notifying people of a breach or you know saying you don't know is bad enough here. Right. Cost you business, cost yeah. you customers. Well, and most of them like GDPR, right? Again, they're getting to a point where they're, they're actually dictating a mandate, right? And GDPR, they're telling you how much time you have to report a breach. And let's face it, a lot of people look at GDPR, and it does apply to a lot of companies who are still in the, who are in the states, right? Because it applies to anybody who's processing 
um, these EU citizen data. And so that's, that's one of the misnomers people have is like, well, I'm a U.S.-based company. This doesn't apply. Absolutely. It applies to a lot of companies, right? I not long ago talked to an airline uh, who was asking the same question. Well, should I be worried about it? Should I be concerned? It's like, don't you uh, have <laughs> – don't you have customers who are flying to Europe? Don't you have customers who are European citizens? They're like, absolutely. Well, that's, guess what? It applies, right? And so the, the biggest thing that you're seeing when it comes to compliance as a whole, whether it's GDPR or California now has uh, a new one that came out in, 18, in 2018, is really it's all about accountability. For years, we haven't answer, or made anybody answer to all the hordes of data that they're collecting, right? They collect all kinds of information on us based on what, one, you go to a, a gas station, you stop at a gas pump to pump gas, and before you know it, the thing already knows, hey, you happen to like, you know, hoodies in the winter, you like, you know, cashmere sweaters, and by the way, you like hot coffee every morning. They're collecting all this data, but who's ever said, hey, we need to make sure that you guys are telling us what you're collecting, why you're collecting it, and hey, by the way, when you're done with it, are you getting rid of it, right? And because we have never had that, you know, it, it, it really in our time, GDPR and all those are really changing that. And at the end of the day, it's really coming down to accountability. And they're trying to make sure companies are being held accountable for all of our personal data. You're right. You're right, Andre, about that. And one of the important things uh, that a lot of people aren't considering is how do they how do they handle all that data, right? And that's why we advocate them setting up a data privacy framework. And what that really is is a way of understanding how you process data. Um, you know, where is it stored? Who has access to it? And what kind of tools do you have? Because, like, like one of the things of one of the um, uh, what, what I want to call it, and what, one of the articles, excuse me, one of the articles of GDPR is that you have the right to um, know that your data has been removed if you request it, right? And so, if you don't understand how your data, what your data privacy framework looks like, you won't be able to get rid of that data for the customer who's requesting that. So, um, that's where. Items like secure purge that ONTAP has can really come in handy. And if you have this data privacy framework, you'll know exactly where that data is and you can leverage something like secure purge to get rid of it. In fact, uh, there's a lot of software solutions that NetApp provides that can really help with customers who are trying to set up a data, data privacy framework. And um, I, in fact, <laughs> I actually have an entire uh, white paper about all those solutions. Uh, recently published. You can find out there on the NetApp uh, website. Just look for uh, GDPR and data privacy. And it even touches on the uh, California Consumer Privacy Act that Andre mentioned earlier. And it just gives you a good idea of how to best go about setting up a data privacy framework and how NetApp solutions can help you with that. Listen to the new guy selling stuff. Look at that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got to get my name out there. <laughs> that's right. So Secure Purge, um, you, you know, you told us that we had it. But I'd like to hear what it is. So could you give me a rundown of what Secure Purge can do? I know it came out in, what, 9.4? 9.4, that's right. Yeah, and um, I'm going to touch on it a little bit, but Dan is really expert, so he'll straighten me out if I miss anything out here. But <laughs> essentially, um, you do need an external key manager for it to work. You know, it doesn't work with the onboard key manager. And uh, when you go to actually remove, let's say you've got a, a file out there, that you just want to get rid of. It's got some personal data and you know you need to remove that. Well, with Secure Purge, you can be sure that once you delete that uh, file, that it's gone forever and um, it's no longer there, which a lot of SSDs, you know how SSDs work. Typically, when you delete something off of a solid state disk, you don't really know if that's truly removed. Well, with Secure Purge, um, you know it's gone for sure because, and this is where Dan could probably explain it a little better, how it works under the covers. Yeah, Dan, let's hear it. Let's hear some more details yeah, on this. I mean, sure, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it, essentially, it, you delete the file or, or files um, on a particular volume. And, of course, you need to be using uh, NetApp Volume Encryption, NVE, with an external key manager, as Matt mentioned. And when you execute the uh, secure purge command, it copies that volume to a new volume, and the new volume does not contain the, the new files. It, the new volume has a new key, and the old volume is deleted, and, and the keys are deleted, so everything is crypto-shredded in the uh, old volume. And, and, of course, it, it deletes all the snapshots associated with the, uh, the old volume as well, so that none of the snapshots uh, contain that data either. Oh, it actually copies so over to a new volume? A hammer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it, it's a new NVE volume with a new key. So and how does it, how it, does it does copy? It does not contain the files that were purged. So how does it copy? Is it a, is it a vol move? Is it like a protocol copy? How does that happen? It's, yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it's a vol move. Yeah, and it does some th things under under the covers um, that, I mean, you, you look at it on the surface and you go, well, I, I could have done that without the secure purge command, but in Waffle, there's um, you know remnants of that data in Waffle, so it has to drain Waffle for that old volume as well. So that there's some things that are going on that that um, you know the ordinary pedestrian cannot cannot do themselves. How fast does it work? Is it pretty well, quick? Well, it's it's um, yeah, it, it's the same as doing a, a ball move, um, you know, without doing the secure purge. I mean, that's the majority of the time is is the move of the volume. Okay, and is it uh, is it the speed affected by the number of files or the capacity of the volume? The speed is the the size of the particular volume. That's, that's what it's dependent on, primarily. Okay. And is access fenced off to the source while this is happening? No, it, it's non-disruptive. Um, so access can, can occur. Um, it's, it's the same as any, any other ball move, only in this particular case you're using NVE, so it's a ball move where encryption is taking place and, and a new key is applied to the new volume. Yeah, and I ask because, I mean, in the case of data spillage, there's, right? There's no fencing off. Right. So I ask in the case of data spillage because, you know, if somebody has spilled over classified information into a volume and they don't want it accessed, they probably want that source to be fenced off. So they'd have to do that themselves, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, at the, initially when you have deleted the files, yeah, you, you would um, want to disallow access to that particular volume. But once you do the secure purge, the, the files are gone. Yeah, and, and if you're talking about data spillage, that's another use case for this, you know, unrelated to GDPR. And so, yeah, you, you may want to disallow access to okay. that particular volume. Cool. I'll add this real quick, Justin. I think one of the things that you're seeing is, you know, we tout this at Insight a lot. In, in, the day, in the day and age that we live in today, you know, you're talking about data being migrated all over the place, right? It's, you know, we talk about hybrid cloud, all this other good, other good stuff. But when it's in the cloud, you know, on-prem, colo, data centers all over the place, uh, the reality is the only way we can truly um, impact or uh, secure files these days is to allow uh, the ability to have encryption, right? Yesteryear, it was all about trying to put gateways and software gateways all over the place to try to, you know, kind of herd things off, right? And be like, oh, well, let me, as long as you pass through some gateway, we can control access or control this or control that. We're now getting to a point where, you know, as I always say, data is going to have to live on its own. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're talking about tagging and new mechanisms and things of that sort. But the data is going to ride. This can go all over the place. And the only way you're going to be able to say and control to, the, to an extent that, you know, the access doesn't get into the wrong hands is back to the old school days of, hey, somebody steals your laptop. If you didn't have an encrypted drive, you're kind of out of luck, right? And so it's the same notion, right, with secure purge and all these other solutions that you're seeing is 
if we can encrypt the file, then no matter where it goes, we can expunge a key on any given moment, and then all of a sudden that that file or that access, that data, uh, is written off, right? Yeah, and even like with things like the iPhone, I mean, we have things like remote wipe. If somebody steals your phone, you, you go. can go in and right. blow it away, right? Um, so, right. so Dan, some more questions about uh, the feature of Secure Purge. So you mentioned off-box key managers. Can we do this with on-box, or is there a technical limitation to that? No, it, it's it's restricted to only um, off-box KMIP um, servers. Um, it, and, yeah, you, can, you cannot do it with uh, uh, the onboard key manager. Is there a technical reason why around this, and that's 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 so that the keys are ensured to be, you know, not on the on the cluster. Okay, makes sense. Um, not not to say that the onboard key manager is insecure in some way, but um, it's it's the the way to ensure that the, that the keys are are you know nowhere nowhere near the cluster. Okay, and, and what part about of that use case comes right. from USPS too? Just so you guys know, yeah, part of that use case comes from USPS, where it's a requirement that they use external key managers versus onboard. So that also helps. Okay, and what about snapshots? What do we do with snapshots that have been affected by you know data spillage or something that needs to be used with Secure Purge? Yeah, the, 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 all the associated snapshots with the volume are deleted when you do a Secure Purge. So in a way, it's it's a big hammer, and I think in the future it won't, won't be such a big hammer, but um, Today it's a pretty big hammer, so it, it deletes all the associated snapshots. Okay, makes sense. I mean, it's you know it's unfortunate, but you know security is sometimes unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what other features do we do we have in ONTAP that can help with security uh, environments? Like, so we did that nine point four. What what sort of things do we have new? Um, nine point five. We um, introduced uh, NTP um, symmetric authentication using NTP. B3. Um, that's to make sure that um, we don't have an artificial time source uh, feeding feeding on tap. So I mean, if you if somebody were to go man in the middle and begin you know, giving artificial time, maybe time that's in the future to expire certificates or or expire um, you know anything that's time dependent in on tap, um, that would be a bad thing. And so yeah, symmetric authentication is is a pretty big feature that came in nine five. And then also we have some other um, login messaging that um, we've introduced in 9.5 so that when you log in with SSH, um, we notify the, the user that you've had X number of failed login attempts since last time you logged in. If that's something you didn't expect, I mean, you're, you're going to probably go investigate what was going on and where those attempts came from and somebody's going to dig into the logs and figure out what happened because that means somebody was banging on your account on, on ONTAP. Okay. And another thing associated with that is yeah, um, if, if there's been a change of privilege since your last login, say there's role-based access control associated with your user ID and that's been altered um, since your last login, you'll get a notification of that as well. So uh, you mentioned earlier that we're uh, supporting smart cards and we were talking offline. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I, you know, as it turns out, we always could support um, smart cards, and uh, many users were, were doing it. But um, officially, um, I, I tested, validated, wrote a TR4717 uh, around this. And essentially what we tested was um, secure CRT and putty CAC as specific clients. And it uses this middleware called Active Client. 
um, and it and it requires the use of a CAC, a common access card, which most of the DOD and, and federal employees have um, on their person. So when they when they log in um, using those clients and and configured properly as specified by uh, the TR with the active client middleware, um, it, it prompts for the the CAC card pin, the key in the pin, and essentially what's on the CAC card is is a certificate, right? There's an X509 certificate. And so you choose that um, ID certificate, then that certificate is presented to ONTAP. From ONTAP's perspective, it's it's seeing a public key. Um, so it's doing a public key authentication. But you can make use of the two-factor authentication that came in ONTAP 9.3, where you also um, want a password in addition to that. So, so you can make it more two-factor authentication to ONTAP by configuring it as, as such, but using um, the CAC card and PuTTY CAC or, or a secure CRT, it, it gives you that um, added security at the client side. Okay, so that's part of our entry-level security, right? And, you know, when you're trying to access a network, uh, actually logging in and getting in, and then you have, you know, the security functionality after you're in, so to things to protect against, say, ransomware or things to protect protect against viruses or malware. Right. Right, so, right. So, yeah, that well, what I just described is, is the mechanism to secure access um, to S, via SSH to ONTAP. Okay. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about when we get into the system and, you know, if something happens to an ONTAP system, what's our remediation step? Well, um, so the something I'm um, like Andre had just described, you know, the the uh, ransomware use case. Now that 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 has to do with um, user data access. Um, so I, I'm not exactly sure what you might be getting at, Justin. But yeah, like ransomware um, stuff. Most, snapshots. Yeah, ran, ransomware wise, snapshots. Absolutely. I mean, and and snap lock for that matter. I mean, if you have snap locked data whether it's um enterprise or compliance um that data is you know it's worm data um write once um, read many and as such i mean ransomware can't touch that and so but then snapshots are useful to revert back to a a, a known good um, place that you were at and if you're using f policy um like as andre was describing um and you're using like say an external f policy server it could identify that point in time where the ransomware infection came into place and and therefore you can go back to a known good snapshot from the identification of the F policy. Yeah, and there's a TR on that one, Justin, the 4572, uh, which is our, you know, the NetApp uh, solution to ransomware, right? And then in part of that, to, to Dan's point just now, we have actually updated it to include SnapLock. Um, so hopefully it's been already republished. If not, obviously I'll send out the draft form and, until they do have the uh, rehosted version up there. But essentially what it speaks to is the fact that snapshots are inherently uh, immune, right, uh, from being because of the, the right wants, uh, nature of them, right? So the reality is when it comes to ransomware, it's never the, – the question our customers ask isn't, you know, I hope I don't get hit. They realize that we're in a world now where it's so rampant and it's everywhere that – the likelihood of you getting hit is very is very high, right? You everybody can you know if you do decide to do a risk analysis or anything on ransomware, it's kind of the top thing out there, right? But again, how does it manifest? 
this insider threat's a big component of that, right? It only in- infiltrates where it has access, right? Where it can actually be parlayed. And so the other part of that, or the more important part, is remediation, right? How you respond. Um, and it's all about that mean time to resolution. How fast can you remediate? And snapshots, by and large, are the fastest way to recover uh, from an event. The biggest thing is people need to start doing them um, more often, right? It's, it's Snapshots change the game in terms of, you know, call it data protection. I know that's kind of a that's a term that you know I straddle straddle the fence with, right? When it comes to data protection versus data security, but the reality is, you know, for years people thought about you know this once a week, and then we do incrementals and dips and all this other good stuff once a day. And with snapshots, you got a lot more flexibility, right? We have customers, you know, hospital systems. We're talking, you know, 25, 30 minutes every 25, 30 minutes, right? Hourly at worst case, um, and so therefore your your recovery points are pretty are are pretty close to where you're already at. Um, and we're even doing things with uh, WFA and there's a script that somebody created internally where we can even go within the snapshots and look at this and get you to a point where you're closer to minutes in, re- in terms of recovery versus even 30 minutes. You get more like, you know, the 10 to a 12 minute difference uh, in what you're recovering. So. Okay. So anyone else have anything top of mind they want to talk about with security? Yeah, Justin, since I'm uh, the new guy on the team, I've been looking at some uh, new things. And uh, one of those things that we've actually done is uh, we went out and surveyed our customers. Um, there's a program that we have within the app called Insight to Actions that customers can sign up for. And uh, so we, we took a survey and we, we asked them what are some of the challenges they're seeing with security, more from a deployment standpoint, you know, not necessarily what the threats are. We have a lot of information on that. And uh, what we've learned is that probably the most important thing to customers right now is understanding how these security features are going to impact their performance of their systems. Uh, so we're making efforts to um, make it easier for customers to understand that performance uh, impact, if there is or if there isn't. Um, you know, in most of the cases, the answer is there's not. Um, but an example of something that we've done, and uh, this might just be because I came from the support site, but we were able to uh, quickly create um, some KB articles around what this uh, performance hits can be. And in particular, um, customers were asking that volume encryption, right? It's really uh, kind of a, a hot thing right now. Customers are liking the encryption for data at rest at um, software, using the software rather than the drives. And they want to know how many volumes can they convert at one time? Uh, you know, what does that look like? And so we've got a little bit of a, a primer that gives you all the gotchas on that. You can find actually in a uh, KV article um, called, Is It Possible to Tune the NetApp Volume Encryption Conversion Process? So. That's just one example. Uh, some other things out of the survey is we learned that uh, simplicity is still really important for customers. And so um, as a tech marketing engineer, I work with Andre and Juan, who's not here today, to see to make sure that what we have in the product roadmap for security is going to be simple. And, um, and then we try to document that, right, Dan and I do. So uh, that's one of, the, one of the areas top of mind. And then um, just to add on to that, another thing that we are, uh, or I'm looking at is uh, Max Data, uh, you know, we just released that product. And uh, I worked with the Max Data team, and uh, we have a security uh, document for that. So if anybody wants to know what, what sort of security features are in Max Data, we do have a data sheet out there on that. Um, just to give you some quick highlights, you know, it does, uh, does support TLS 1.2 for your management authentication. Um, it has SE Linux uh, compatibility. Uh, as well as other OSs, but that's well known as a hardened OS out there. 
and uh, uh, you know it has support for ACLs in the Max Data M1FS file system. Uh, and I believe you also recently had uh, Charlotte Brooks on talking about NetApp data availability services, well, some other folks. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Indep is definitely a product that we've talked a lot about and uh, working with Charlotte. Um, we are, there's going to be an FAQ coming out in the near future, and it will cover security-related questions that I'm sure people will have, you know, about how uh, data is encrypted as it moves within the NDAS or NetApp Data Availability Services ecosystem. So those are just some of the new things I'm looking at, and you'll probably see a lot more coming out from the team around products um, other than ONTAP. Of course, you'll get all the ONTAP stuff as well. But So you're telling me that people care about security when they go to the cloud? You know, it might be up there, potentially. Just a yeah. little bit up there? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's security at rest as well as in flight, right? So we're, we're probably looking at both aspects of that, correct? Yeah, the, the both of those will be covered in that uh, FAQ. That's correct. So stay tuned. <laughs> Excellent. All right, anything else? Uh, yeah, so one of the recent things that <clears throat> that occurred is we had, you know, the VTAP, um, which people may be familiar with, right? That's that Vantage Technical Advisory Board where we would bring in some, some key customers and partners and whatnot, and uh, we see what's top of mind, right? And we talk to them about some thoughts that we have and kind of really try to vet, make sure we're on the right path, right? It's kind of checks and balances for us. Um, from a customer and consumer perspective. Uh, so a couple of things from a security perspective that came out is, you know, Dan mentioned MFA earlier, right, talking about CAC and things like that. MFA is huge. I think everybody, the the, the easiest way uh, or the most tangible example of that is look at your phone, right? How many people are using their phones to do things like, now I use my fingerprint or my facial scan uh, as an authentication mechanism. And, you know, the, obviously the irony is we're getting to a point, and, and Microsoft put an article out not long ago where, Passwords really need to be gone, right? We're to a point now where forget memorizing a password anymore, right? Look at these things that who you are and, and what you know and call it that, right? And not just a password string. Um, and so MFA is a key component of that, right? And so people are leveraging it in their personal life. And so it only makes sense that on the business side um, that we start ma make sure we manifest it there. And so one of the big things people are seeing is they want to see more adoption around MFA uh, across the portfolio. So those are things that we're always looking at. Um, and obviously, you know, to Matt's point, right, where everybody wants to be, they're always tasked with being, doing more with less, right, which basically equates to simplicity, which is part of efficiency, right? And the only way we get there is to do things like standardize. So things like, you know, MFA, we use SAML 2.0 as, as an industry standard, right? So being able to leverage such techniques, technologies uh, in, ter in terms of our features and functions uh, is huge. One of the other big things is budget, right? Matt mentioned the cost. What's the, what's the cost resource-wise? But really, that goes to the budget part, right? Because if it's a deal where, okay, well, great, it's not a big performance hit, that's great, it saves me money. If it is, then I got a budget for two or three of these things, right? I got to expand my cluster. I have to look at those types of decisions to be made. And let's face it, when it comes to security, you know, I'd ask, I'd ask all the listeners out, listeners out there, you know, how great was your security budget last year? And most of them would ask, would answer, what security budget, right? Normally, the security budget is whatever's left over from everything else. Or when you know what hits the fan, then all of a sudden some, some dollars start showing up. So how do we manifest, get to a point where we can, you know, be on the proactive side of that? Uh, and so what I'll leave everybody with is the one thing that I would encourage every customer to do. Um, and we do this in, in our everyday lives just inherently most of the time. And that's risk, risk management, risk assessment. If I tell you, you know, back to what I told, talked about earlier, Justin, when we were talking about files, right? We've all talked about encryption and different man, uh, manifestations of keeping your, your environment secure. 
But at the end of the day, you don't know where to use the dollars if you don't know where their biggest risks are, right? If I'm telling you, know, we're telling you all these solutions and features, then the next question becomes, where do I use them? And I always tell people, I don't expect you to use every feature and every option everywhere, right? There's certain, there's certain areas where it's more advantageous to do snapshots every 15 minutes versus other areas where, okay, yeah, maybe it's only half a day because of the way the data set changes or the nature of that data. But if you've ever done a risk assessment and understand the risk to your business given certain data sets, you don't really know what that looks like, and therefore you can't prioritize and better build that picture as to how you want to uh, leverage the security offerings and solutions that we're talking about in our portfolio because they're continuing to grow. And so I'd leave everybody with that. Start looking at doing you know, risk assessments, risk analysis, so that we can better um, engage and know exactly what solutions are going to work best in certain environments. Okay. So you guys mentioned some TRs that you have out there. Are there any other resources that people can access to get information about security with NetApp? There's the netapp.com slash security. You have your own landing page? Yeah. Man, I need a netapp.com slash podcast. I need to work on that. No. (laughs) That's what I need. Go for it. I don't have that kind of (laughs) pull. All right, Dan, Andre, Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, if we want to get in touch with you, how do we do that? Andre. Yep, that's it. Andre at netapp.com. All right, Dan. Dan underscore Tullage, Twitter. On the Twitters. And Matt Trudwin, also on the Twitters. Yes, well, uh, it's at Intet, Matt. And I just wanted to say that, Justin, it's probably your fault that uh, I switched roles here at NetApp because I listened to your podcast about improving your career and decided to make a switch internally. So if any of my previous managers are mad, it's all Justin's fault. It's all my fault. That's okay. (laughs) I'll take that bullet. Um, Yeah. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Andre Middleton, Dan Tullich, and Matt Trudwin for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.